Good morning. This massive crowd. All right. You are the Navy SEALs of Christians. So way to show up on one of the biggest letdowns of the year. This is only, only rivaled by the Sunday after Easter. So uh, we're so glad that you're here with us in worship. Um, and our, our team did an awesome job as well leading us this morning. Uh, join me in a word of prayer and then we'll take off. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. We ask you, Jesus, to, uh, to fill this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in this moment and in this time. Um, some of us are still riding the wave of, of Christmas and just what a great time it was for our, our friends and our family. Others of us have never probably felt more isolated and alone. And the whole gamut of feelings and experiences is represented in this place. And so we ask you, God, to, to do a mighty work here with those that are gathered. We love you, Lord. It's in your name. Amen. Uh, we were asked in the early service, um, so who had a baby? And uh, we were like, well, Mary. Mary did. Mary had a baby. So we hope you got uh, cigars and stuff. Uh, we didn't really factor in the air conditioning factor, so bear with me. Uh, with, with the attention span that we have nowadays in America, this will probably be perfect. So by the time you tune out, look at a balloon, and then come right back to me, and we'll be great. We'll get through it together. Um, so, like, with our, uh, with our kids right now, uh, they've, they've had chicken pox before. They are vaccinated, and then we discovered these little dots all over, two of them on their back. So despite the uh, vaccination, all that good stuff, they, they got it again. And uh, I went up to Mallory, very mild, apparently, version of that. Pays to have your pediatrician, like, be your friend, because you just text him, right? And he fills you in, save on the visit. It's awesome. So uh, found out, yeah, real, real mild case of chicken pox. And so I go to Mallory and I'm like, hey, Mal, let's take a picture of the, of the kids' backs and let's put on social media that we found, finally, we know the famous hip-hop artist and rapper, he is alive. And we'll call it Tupac. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay, Tupac. That's clever, I think. Uh, solid, probably. It was a solid delivery at the time. Uh, may even be gold material. I'm not sure, okay? Here's the problem, is my timing at home is not awesome, okay? So I'm like pitching this idea, not when it's just us and the kids are in bed and we're having the conversation. It's just us over dinner and I'm making a joke, okay? The problem is the dog's like peeing on the floor. The one-year-old's digging through the trash like a hobo for some reason. She loves the trash. And the other two kids are fighting and I'm pitching an idea for a joke, okay? So here's the truth, right? Like early, early on when we had kid number one within like two months, you know, or the first month, it's all cute, all right? Then things get real and they get confusing and they get stressful and they get difficult the older that little one starts to get and you realize that the newness, like this is a forever thing as a parent. Well, the newness is the factor that we're about to dig into here, okay, with little baby Jesus. Because there's all these, I think, really kind of interesting but also bizarre dynamics that are going on that you just got to think through for a moment. For example, when I went and bought all these balloons, it was so strange and I forgot. It's only been a year how people talk to you when they see you buying balloons. So I, I walked into Randall's. I said, hey, can you blow these up? And initially, you don't know what they are. 
And as they were blowing them up, oh, congratulations, right? Oh, you must be so proud. And then people walking by, oh, I bet you're never going to sleep. Uh, oh, you know, they're making all these comments. And, like, I don't have time to really be like, well, here's the deal and kind of this. And then I'm walking with them out to the car, and I have more people making more little comments, right? And the thing is, like, you know, I'm not even having a baby, right? And the truth is, whenever we brought all each one of our three kids home and people would say stuff to me, I really felt like I was just the guy that was on the bench, like, I didn't really even play in the game. I hadn't really done much of anything. I was a glorified Uber driver, delivery boy, and, like, encourager for nine months. That's really all I did. I didn't, I didn't really do anything up to that point, and people hit me with questions and stuff. And when I put it in that context, and if you think of it this way, think of, like, Joseph, how he must have felt when they're coming into Jerusalem. He's got this little baby that... If I felt like I couldn't take a whole lot of credit for what's happened up to this point, how does he feel? What is he supposed to say? I mean, I got people walking up to me about balloons, right? Can you imagine this little family going to Jerusalem? Oh, how cute. Look at you, Dad. Way to go, big guy. You know, like, what is, how does he break that story down? Because no one saw it. Remember where all this happened? It didn't happen in Jerusalem. How does he even handle all, like, the laundry list of weird, social, awkward moments with people that are asking him questions about this little baby? How's Mary dealing with that and internalizing all of that? All of that stuff's happening. I think what's kind of cool about this story is all those little dynamics, I have to believe, were happening for this couple. And so when you look at this text, it's, it's kind of crazy because Mary, as a mother for a moment, as a mother... As a parent, she's never able, at least what we have in Scripture, she's never able to get very far from the cross. She just, like she can't even, at least biblically speaking, she never gets a chance to just even pretend that there's another purpose for this kid. Never gets to do it. She gets constant reminders that... This is the Son of God who has a completely different mission and purpose than every other kid. And so this is going to be that, that whole dynamic is playing out. It picks up in Luke chapter 2, verses 21. Please follow along in your Bibles or check it out up on the screen. It says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So the, the purification is 40 days. They've already gotten him circumcised. Then you have the purification. Then it says it they took him to the temple, which they're not obligated to do in this story. By the law of Moses, they're not obligated to take him to the temple. Which means the fact that they would do this, they understood as parents. This is like, they knew, and it was clear in their mind, this is a different kid. Everything we just went through was real. We're not crazy. And so they went above and beyond by taking Jesus to the temple. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice and keeping him 
or keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Leviticus 12 would say that um, one of the options would be to bring a lamb, okay? And if you couldn't afford a lamb, a lamb would be the equivalent of an American like $2, okay? And if you couldn't afford the lamb, then you had either the, the doves or the pigeons, which is what they brought. Doves and pigeons, 16 cents, comparatively speaking. So you just have little clues like that, that the money is not flowing deep in this family, okay? She's got just enough. They have just enough to make this trip and to make this sacrifice and this offering. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to the people Israel. What is he saying? He's saying the very thing that people would forget 30 years later. For the longest time, they're thinking, oh, Jesus' mission is just to the Jews, Israel, period. What's Simeon saying? It's for the Gentiles. It's for the, the Jewish people. It is for the entire world. Now, just stop, okay? How would you feel as a parent, right? What did he just say? Your kid's going to turn the entire world upside down. I mean, wouldn't that make you glow? You know, hold your little, your little bundle of joy, maybe a grown-up sitting next to you now, but remember when they were a little bundle of joy, and if they walked into this church and I just held them and I said, you know what God told me? God told me your kid is going to flip this world upside down. Wouldn't that feel awesome, right? Other kids are just goo goo ga 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 right? But your kid, I'm telling you, they're going to change the world. That'd be awesome as a parent. And that's the first part that he's saying. He's saying there's going to be something different about your child. In verse 33, they react just the way that you and I would as parents. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Of course. 34, then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Simeon follows up like, your kid's going to be amazing. Your kid's going to flip this world upside down with another statement. And that other statement is this. Your child will become the litmus test. There will be people that will embrace him and his message. And there will be others that will wholeheartedly reject him. So like, in our, our house, okay, uh, we have an orange tree. Okay, well, we're, we're renters, so we kind of have an orange tree, okay? Uh, yeah. And uh, also, in the backyard, uh, we kind of have an overgrown garden that is, in theory, looks like a garden, probably from an aerial view. Uh, if you're standing there, it just looks like a, like a giant thing, a pile of weeds, okay? That's all it looks like, all right? Now... With the orange tree, we love it, okay? We have a juicer. 
takes like 10 oranges to make one glass of orange juice, by the way. But man, it's good. It tastes nothing like what you get in the store. It's amazing. Now, we live on a cul-de-sac, and every now and again, some kind of rando would just come down the street, sometimes on accident, bust the U-turn at the cul-de-sac, stop, get out of the car, and just start unloading our oranges. Like, armfuls, get in and leave, like we've never even seen them. Mallory was incensed. So what did she do? She got on Amazon to buy a sign. Why make one when you can buy one on Amazon? It's even quicker, right? Now, we ended up making a sign anyways, and one came in from Amazon all about the same time, which basically got across the message, we would love to share oranges with you, let's just have a conversation. I don't know how it was worded. Well, our street was like, hey, you're not, you're not sharing your, your oranges anymore? Like, Kind of like, hey, you selfish jerks. And we were like, no, we want to bless the world with our oranges we just don't like the weirdos that come down and steal them. That's just weird to us. So we were giving oranges to the mailman. We give oranges to the people that pick up our trash, right? We give out oranges left and right. People on the street, they love the oranges, okay? And if you came over, I'd show you the orange tree. The flip side is, if you walked into our backyard, I would do everything I could to keep you looking to the left. Because if you look to the right you'll see the horrible garden-looking thing. Here's the point. One of the two I'm proud of, I want to show off, and I want to share. The other one I don't want you to see. What Simeon is saying about Mary's boy is she's saying this kid is going to be one of two to each and every person in the entire world, he will be the person that either others want to share and talk about and make known to everyone around them, or he'll be the one that they'll try to hide and disguise and step around. But what he's also saying is, whichever one he is for all of mankind, every last person will be forced to deal with him. Embrace him, reject him. You have to do something with him. See? So she, he follows that up after saying that, that all the hearts will be revealed. And then he says this. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. His final statement to her is, and I want to remind you, there's a pain that's coming to you as a mom. There's a, an anguish that you're going to go through in your heart and in your mind and in your soul that no one else is ever going to quite understand. And this is the fullness of what's coming for you, not just as a mom, but also in the life of this boy that you're holding. And it's almost like Simeon in this moment just kind of, in my mind, pops every one of these balloons one at a time takes away your little blue cigar right there and puts it out. All of the stuff that you could be so excited about, she is reminded again about the cross. She can't even get, you know, two months of pretend time, right? She's reminded yet again. And then it goes on, the scripture goes on to say in verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, 
the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Scripture only gives us a little bit more of insight. We don't see anything else about Jesus' life until he hits about 12 years of age. And the rabbis at this time, way back in the day, the way that they would teach is they wouldn't just do like a fire hose where they just hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you, and you hang on for dear life. They had a mastery of teaching to where they would ask you a ton of questions. And by asking you questions, they would lead you down a path in such a way that you would grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But their style was in asking questions. And scripture would say in a few chapters later that Jesus at the age of 12 is already kind of having this back and forth with the teachers of the law in such a way that he's already using their style and kind of going toe to toe with them. And they're amazed already at his ability. And even then at 12, when he gets away from mom and dad for a moment, or Joseph and Mary, sorry, for just a moment, they track down Jesus. He's in the temple, and even in that moment, Jesus makes a statement in which he says, as a 12-year-old, did you not know that I would be not in our father's house? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? And so what I want to lay before you is from the moment that we we have Christmas Eve and Christmas and we remember that Jesus is here and all these wonderful things, from the moment that he's put on this earth, he is already on a mission and on a purpose. You already see just just shadows of it already as just an infant, just as a child. And I would lay before you just one more time to consider the fact that, you know, your children, the ones even sitting next to you, The purpose that they were born was not to die. The purpose that they were born was not to be humiliated. The purpose that they were born, your kids, is not to be wrongly tried, accused, convicted, and humiliated publicly, beaten and whipped. The purpose of your child's life sitting next to you is not ultimately to be killed in the most public manner, humiliating manner possible. But see, this is what is now the purpose. This is the shift that happens between now to Easter and in the walk and in the life of every last Christian in this room. From this point on, Jesus' life would be pointed in that direction for those purposes. Born to die. Born to be humiliated. Born to be scorned. Born to be ostracized. Why? Because his humiliation actually is your humiliation. His guilt was actually your guilt. His shortcomings were your shortcomings that were put on him, see? He dies so that you never have to. He dies so that you never will. He's guilty so that you'll never be found guilty before a holy and a righteous God. So already as a child, he's completing the law. He's fulfilling the prophecy. And by his grace and his mercy, he's making an eternal relationship with the Heavenly Father and with himself possible. That is grace. That is mercy. That is the very life of Jesus as we transition to looking at the life and the teachings 
in the purpose of Jesus' life over the next several months. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we have different trials and struggles in this room. And you know exactly what they are. God, may we never lose sight of the reason why you came to this earth. You became what was broken of each and every one of us. You became what we're ashamed of, what we've struggled with, a nagging addiction, a struggle from our past, a frustration or a hurt from our family or our friends. All of that junk, all of that baggage that is our experience in this life, you took all of that. You were placed upon you already from Simeon was this simple idea that you would be the message, the truth, and all that is broken, all that is us would be hung on your shoulders and nailed to a cross, held in your hands and feet. For each and every one of us, we thank you, Jesus, for your mission. We thank you for your purpose. We love you deeply. Amen.